I am sitting cross-legged on the the floor of a living room in this Colorado cabin. There's a small stream running out the back. The sliding glass door is open so we can kind of hear sometimes uh, the riffles as that's going on. There's little brook trout swimming in it. And uh, on the floor in front of me is a bundle of a little blue scarf. And I think if you were to just look in from the outside of the room, you would wonder why that that man is, why I am heaving in sobs and eventually give myself a nosebleed um, and have to kind of land the moment. Yeah, I know. That is a powerful moment that we look forward to sharing with you this week. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of November 27th, week after Thanksgiving. And my son, Sam, here with us. Hey, Sam. Hey, Dad. Good to be here. Dan, the unique setup that you see video viewers watching us on YouTube or Spotify it's because we're uh, we got a special guest by video this week that we're going to bring on here in just a moment. Um, but before we do, we're going to do what we always do, which is stop, pause, let the chaos go. Wherever you are right now, in your car, at the gym, taking a walk, washing the dishes, just take a moment and and just release everyone and everything to God. Yeah, Father, we do. We release everyone and everything to you this week and the coming pressures of the holiday season, just to be present in this moment to our own self and to you. Just dial us back into our life in you. And we pray that you would meet us this week here in this podcast. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so Sam left Wild at Heart to become a therapist and is killing it, if I might say so. Mm. I mean, doing great work with people and beautiful stories coming in out of that. Mm-hmm. Um and our friend, who we're going to introduce here in a moment, actually played a pivotal role in that. Um, we're going to be talking about experiential therapy this week and next. And I want you to take us into that story. I want to go back to that moment that you are processing some of your loss mm-hmm. and and using props, I guess, is how you call that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Objects sure. that facilitate, right, the connection with that. Yeah. But wh- where, when, what? Yeah. So if I could paint, if I could just paint a picture for you, um, I am sitting cross-legged on the the floor of a living room in this Colorado cabin there's a small stream running out the back. The sliding glass door is open so we can kind of hear sometimes uh, the riffles as that's going on. There's little brook trout swimming in it. And 
uh, on the floor in front of me is a bundle of a little blue scarf. And I think if you were to just look in from the outside of the room, you would wonder why that that man is, why I am heaving in sobs and eventually give myself a nosebleed um, and have to kind of land the moment. Um, the, the moment from my perspective, I am being guided by Bill and Lori Loki through a conversation with the son that we miscarried and have been invited to have some embodiment of him in the room, thus the blue scarf, to sit with him and look, you know, kind of in quotes, at him and and have a conversation out loud with my son that isn't here. And I I think if you were to maybe read that or pitch that to somebody, you'd go, that sounds really strange. You're you're looking at a scarf. It's not your son. You're you're on the sitting on the floor. Like, why does this work? But to actually be in the moment to have this conversation out loud, to to sit with the emotion. Um, clearly, I don't like burst blood vessels in my nose that often. And I can, I think it was probably the only time it's ever happened while crying. And so it was, um, to say that it was like a 10 on the emotional scale, um, I think would be an understatement. I think I broke the scale there for a minute. Um, and in fact, I actually had to kind of land that conversation because you can't, you don't want to be unkind and force your way through. So there's your little like snapshot of, um, what is experiential therapies to like, in real time, not just talk about something, not just think about something, but actually do something with what's stirring up and press forward kind of into the unknown of what that might hold. Yeah. Yeah. Interact in ways. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> okay. So this is where we're going this week and next um, because you know that here at Wild at Heart, we care about the heart very deeply, care about your heart very deeply. And there is more for all of us in our healing journey. So before we get into holidays and Christmas and things that do tend to stir a lot of this up, we just thought that putting these thoughts out in front of you, putting a way, almost a modality in front of you would be really helpful, everybody. So it is great joy that we get to bring in by video our dear friend, Lori Loki who I think you're in Nashville this morning, Lori? Well, kind of Spring Hill, Tennessee. Okay. All right. Yeah. Welcome, mm -hmm. Lori. Thank you. It's so great to, so great to be with you guys. I, I just love you guys and your family and, and all that Wild at Heart um, stands for and does for people. And I just love the people, your, your whole crew. It's yeah. awesome. You've gotten to know us pretty well over the years. And we actually met. Um, were you in the clinic? I no, I missed that day. I heard that um there's some counselors are gonna come by and do some stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I gotta I gotta I gotta <laughs> grocery shop. Okay. Anyway, Morgan on the team. Morgan set up this. Uh Bill and Lori Loki have been uh, therapists for many, many years, and Bill was the 
director, clinical director at Onsite in Nashville for many years. Mm -hmm. They came out to offer a clinic. I think it was a two-day clinic, Lori, if I'm remembering. Two and a half, yeah. I think, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Of, of experiential therapy. And I remember uh-huh. being in the room and they want to do this chair exercise <laughs> where somebody's going to come forward <laughs> and, and sit in a chair and interact with their mother uh, who is figuratively <laughs> sitting? No one moves. That's so weird. No one volunteers, and so I'm like, "Okay, I'll go. I'll go." And I I jumped into something that actually ended up being utterly, utterly profound, and and that was mm-hmm. the beginning of our relationship with the Lokis. And many of us have been mm-hmm. through their their experiential work and. And then Sam, you did mm-hmm. as well. Yep, spent a week with um, you, Lori, and Bill. And um, I'm mm-hmm. curious, Lori, as we're sharing some of these memories, and I gave my definition of experiential therapy. What stirred up for uh-huh. you in, in hearing them again, and kind of where your mind went? I actually don't even know if I know the story of how you got into it in the first place. Yeah. So you know what went through my mind is it's so hard to um, explain what experiential therapy is because mm-hmm. it's like oh I had a blue scarf and I was crying and I had a nosebleed. I mean, for some of you who are listening, that might sound terrifying. But what it what's happening in my own story? I would go to talk therapy and I would just go and I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk and it, and just nothing would ever change. But when I went and did my own therapy and with a person who did experiential therapy, then what I, it it became alive for me. Things woke up somatically in my body in conversations in ways I'd never healed before. And um, I just was like, whatever that is, that's what I'm, that's what I want to train in. That's what I want to do to help other people. Um, Just pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so Bill and Lori, you know, partnered Mm -hmm. in this for many years Mm -hmm. and and Bill was kind of the pioneer in some ways, or at least a a guru. He was really an expert at it. Right. Well, he, he um, loved it. It was, it was where his passion um, for therapy became alive. He became alive in it. And then when he started realizing that he could do experiential therapy using Bible stories, um, then, and I think that at the Wild at Heart training, we actually did the prodigal uh, son story and we had the whole group come up and, and play a part, but he would add things like, well, who, what would the sister be doing um, in in this story, where would she be? Um, and just have the people placed in the story where it would become alive um, and just help people go deeper into their healing process. Yeah, yeah. He he is a beautiful man. He is with Jesus. Bill passed into the kingdom earlier this year uh, due to cancer and to God calling him home, which has been a, a very beautiful and heartbreaking journey. Um, so honored to be able to have walked with you guys in that and through that, Lori. It's just been such an honor. And 
Lori is carrying on. And in fact, what we want to tell you about is a project that Sam and Lori are putting together here for 2024. But before we before we go there, I want to come back to um, these workshops and and experiential therapy and tell some stories and kind of unpack this a little bit for our listeners because I think it'd be helpful to do that. And so I had done, personally, I had done some work um, with and around my mother, um, but I, but it was getting into that workshop and getting into having dialogue with her that, whoa, things, things showed up mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I think the audience uh, listening and the Wild at Heart audience in general is like really used to a lot of this language. I mean, your background is as a therapist yeah. and, and it's cooked in through desire and ticket romance and wild at heart from like day one, this, this language is in there. I think of the language you and Brent had of the, the arrows and the messages that came. Yes. Um, and I've had to recognize uh, through this process, like, oh, I really am motivated by like f- first finding the right language, the right tool, the, the right orientation, the right insight. A phrase that came to mind for me is like, I can't address something if I can't see it. And I think that's probably where a lot of like the benefit of talk therapy is because like a lot of fleshing things out. I feel angry. I feel hurt. I know my relationship with my mom is complex. Like I know I've got these OCD symptoms, whatever Mm -hmm. the the scaling is. Um, But then like you, Lori, I kept running into both for myself and for others. Am I just going to like stir these things up just to poke around and leave them unaddressed. I mean, I know that you don't do that in Wild to Heart. You have this guide to, okay, the next thing we're going to do is this healing of the wound. You don't want to just leave people there. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember, oh, go ahead, Lori. Yeah. So uh, even when you were saying that, I was like, okay, well, what would it be like for you to go pick a scarf and go stand in your anger? Right. Like, what would it be like for you to go and and sit in your sadness? Because in our life, what we want to do is avoid the distress of our our feelings of pain. Um, and we avoid it through all kinds of things, getting busy, watching TV, on our phones, doing reels, and then our medicators, alcohol, food, um, shopping, you know, those kind of things. But but for experience, for the experience of it, it we slow life down and help them get into that place of like, hey, um, what what's going on? Um, tell me what you want for yourself. Well, I, I want to be able to feel my sadness. Well, let's go and stand. Let's pick something that represents that, and let's go and stand in it. Yeah. Um, and then where is that in your body? And and if your body had a voice of its own, what would it say? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I remember to take us back mm-hmm. into our week together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for years, didn't cry. Like after I was in college, kind of learned how to manage my own emotional spectrum. And I know I've talked about this before on this podcast, the Wild Heart. If anybody who's like tracking, like what is Sam talking about in the Wild Heart podcast these days, you're going to go death and then emotions and then time. And then <laughs> you guys 
zoom out and you'll see the no, same no, consistent just, here. Just, go with it. I know it's, I mean, I'm all about it actually. It is today. It is all. Um, and I wanted to get off of antidepressants, but didn't want to get really low. And so I ended up just controlling my emotional experience. I think I'd put that in quotes. I felt like I was in control. And by that, I meant I didn't really feel anything. Didn't feel like a lot of sadness, but didn't feel a lot of joy either. And I remember sitting with you, Lori and Bill, and and having this metaphor, this experience of like, all of that's behind a dam. And if, I'm, if I experience it, I'm going to die. Mm. And I've used other, mm. I've encountered a lot mm. myself and others, that feeling of like, if I were to go stand in my sadness, I'm going to just fall down a pit that goes all the way down and I'm never coming out of it. And it was you guys that first gave me the language for the emotions actually could be like a stream and you can feel them and you're meant to feel them. And then they actually flow downstream and you don't stay in the emotion. And it got to practice that you guys actually pulled a lot of the pictures off the wall of a hallway and handed me a sack of pillows. And you were like, you need to yell and throw pillows. And I think I looked at you and I was like, I don't want to. (laughs) And not because I don't think it's going to work, but because I was like, I just don't want to feel stupid. And I don't, I don't know that I really even want to get access there. And all of this was like really revealing, right? Because like for most people we have the, Mm -hmm. we stop at the first thing, which is the, I feel angry. I don't know why nothing next, but you guys were like, okay, can you feel the anger? Like, no, why not? Let's get a hallway. What, like what surfaces? Uh, And for me, it was like, I had to yell a phrase while throwing the pillows and, and, and get into the anger increasingly in order to finally then experience again, this like snap tears. Um, I think I was in that moment processing something from high school and some bullying experience and and just like also the pent up of emotion and to have that like next step, next step. There's a quote from a, a book I've been reading. Um, Brandon Sanderson, Stormlight Archive for anybody that wants to geek out on Sam's fantasy. He has a line that I really love and it's, what is the most important step a man can take? The next one. And it felt like you guys just kept offering the next one. Here's, here's the next one. Yeah. And you don't need to get stuck. Yeah. 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 And as you're saying, I, I want to make sure that people know we were inviting, <laughs> inviting you, yes. um, not forcing, because then that would be the same thing that would have happened with the bullying. Like if we were to force you to do something, but it's always experiential therapy is an invitation, like come and experience this um, to your capacity. And, And some people don't have full capacity, but to experience just a little bit, and that's okay. We, you are able to go the full Monty, like go, go all the way in and you wanted to go all the way in. I think that's something we set up on the front end is that you were like, I, whatever this is, I want to get well, I want to, I want to get past it. And, and you, um, we believe that the healing is inside of you, that, you know, the way we just have to help and guide you into that. So Mm-hmm. Um, you were able to get into your emotions and feel the anger from the bullying and feel the sadness and the grief and loss um, from the miscarriage. Uh, Sam, you you were you did just such a, a beautiful mm-hmm. job, um, which is why we encouraged 
you or said, have you ever thought about going back to school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my mind, it wasn't quite that. Uh, yeah, it probably was that phrase that kindly. I think I well, took it a little bit like, what the hell have you been doing? What? <laughs> well, no, I mean, this is a beautiful part of the story is that uh, through Sam's relationship with Bill and Lori, he got like internal permission to chase mm -hmm. that dream. Yeah. I think I went home that night and yeah. applied actually. Like it was that, that yeah. fast. It was like, right. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. why. I mean, I do, I do know. I know I know why. Yeah. <laughs> but uh -huh. I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to become a therapist. Uh -huh. Yeah. I want to do this. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, and since then I've been able like experiencing it, th there's a lot of categories I, that I want to even add to the scenario of, um, being witness. So there was elements, even in the, my solo work, we're encouraged to bring somebody else in and hear witness your story. That's from your world. So you, mm -hmm. I, I felt, um, tethered to my world. It wasn't just like, okay, you're going to go do this work, but it only exists here. You actually given the, the skills and the tools to go take it back and doing the group work stuff gets me really, really excited. Um, partly probably because, of the theatrical and the unknown nature of it. Um, I actually like how much is mystery. Like you guys didn't know where my week was going to go. You had a couple pieces, you lots of tools, but not like, then we're going to take down the pictures in the hallway. Like that just happened no. organically. <laughs> and with the right. group stuff, yeah. uh, my gosh, to like get to have a conversation, but there's a person, not necessarily a scarf. They might take on a role, the mm -hmm. psychodrama. For me, that like mm -hmm. takes it and cranks it up to like times 10 yeah. in the potential for breakthrough. Absolutely. Because a, a, a lot of the work happens watching somebody else's story. Mm. When, you, when you go into the group work and you're watching somebody else's story, you're going, oh, oh, you too? Oh, me too? Um, and you're beginning to relate. It's that that place of we we're able to go with one another in our hardest places and into our best places. Um, and to be able to have somebody, one of the most powerful pieces of work was there. There was a person I was trauma bonded with, and that person that played that role actually was perfect. And so I kept on trying to reason with this person that's not reasonable. And until finally, what I began to learn is, oh, I've been doing the same thing over and over again for over 20 years of my life. And I can't reason with this person because they're they're not going to ever reason with me. So I've got to to do something different. And it was such a powerful turn that that I, I was just never the same after that, that the person that had had such power over me had no had no power anymore. That was broken. Yeah. Um, because I got to experience what I was doing in my own behavior in relationship with that person who played that role. So sometimes these workshops are done in group settings. Yes. And there'll be a cluster of people, five, eight, you know, people in the room. One person is the client, you know, they're, they're getting to do their work. They're getting to process. Yeah, well, we can make it about you again, right? Because so when they came into the staff, you volunteered to go be the guy having the conversation yeah. with your mom yes. and everybody else mm -hmm. got to watch. And yes. what Lori was saying is everybody mm -hmm. else that's watching is benefiting. I think the data mm -hmm. is you get like, what, 70% of the same mm -hmm. level of experience. Right. So it's not mm -hmm. insignificant. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And 
you can either do it where there's people involved mm-hmm. or not. So I think in your case, mm-hmm. it was like just the word mm-hmm. mom written on the chair. Is right. that right? Yeah. And then yeah. you would, yes. did you ever get like switched back and forth? Did you yes. do the role reversal stuff? Yes. They had me then go sit in the chair. You know, first it was me talking to my mother who's not in the room, right? This is a chair no, representing just, her. Yeah. yeah. It's a chair with a yeah, paper. But it works. It works. Cause as you start having the dialogue, it's like, Whoa, here comes all the feelings. Yes. And then after a period of time doing that, then Bill and Lori say, okay, now sit in, sit in mom's chair. And what she's saying in response to that, yes. it is mind blowing what shows up. Right. Right. And then speak from mom. And then when you've hit the dead end or wherever you needed to there, then get up and go back and listen to what you just said to yourself yes. from that place. Yeah, exactly. One yeah. that I thought was really surprising for me is I needed to, I was having a conversation with you. You weren't in the room, dad, because I don't want to be too like 30,000 years. So at my work, I'm having a conversation with you because surprise, surprise, we need to have conversations with these massive figures in our lives. And I couldn't put words to what you would say. So like I switched chairs and I sat where you would be and I'm like, I have no words. And Bill and I would be like, okay, you know, sit there, pay attention. Um, no, back to that embodied somatic, like both feet on the floor, breathe. I'm like, I feel good. I just don't have any words. And they had me get up and stand behind. And it was, what would he be thinking that he wouldn't be saying? And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Still no words. But that's an interesting like workaround. And like now take a step back. What is he thinking about, thinking about, but not and then I had words. And it was really fascinating oh, wow. to go like all of these protections in me in real time and these uh, just that I never felt stuck. It always felt like there is there's some way to kind of be curious of what's the key? Where's the door? Where's the window? Where's mm-hmm. where is it still unlocked? Yeah. And and this is part of what I love about Lori is that you are listening to the Holy Spirit when yeah. you are sitting with people, whether it's, whether it's a, you know, just a one-on-one session or you're in more of like a workshop setting, you are, you are tuned in. Cause as Sam said, you have no idea where any of this is going. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's part of the yeah. fun. Personally. We're going to get up and throw pillows. Now we're going to do the, you know, <laughs> Bill put a rope around me once. Did he do that with you? Oh, yeah. Oh, we had the rope. Oh, my gosh. He put a rope around me and started giving sort of oppositional force. And I mean, it was instant. Bill's like, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to kill you. And somehow I knew you would say that. (laughs) (laughs) That might have come up. (laughs) Okay, folks. So Uh, we're going to pause the uh, episode here. Roll the outro. Uh, it, it was very evocative, but what was beautiful was to watch you, Lori, listen to God. Just, just you know, it's not super obvious, but just quietly you can see you describe a little bit of your joy in that. Yeah. So when I'm watching and even, even um, what you were describing, Sam, uh, getting up and standing behind the chair and then standing back again, because we have so many survival strategies that we've learned to protect our hearts that um, most of us don't even realize that they're there because we've normalized them. So like, oh, that's who I am, right? I think in Wild at Heart, y'all call them the false, false selves, yeah, and right? The poser. Yeah. Yep. And the poser. But 
but for um for me when i'm watching i'm going and i'm just listening to god because all of these places are fear places in our story and and god just really wants us to to know and to trust that he is good and that he loves us and and the only way we're going to be able to really surrender and show up in our our original self who he's called us to be um is to is to be able to see those fear places and so when you're taking a step back you're taking a step back out of a strategy you're taking another step back and going oh now this is who i am and now i'm going to speak my truth it's that wow. place of congruency wow. it's that that place that you're going to speak oh this is who i am yeah and that was the beautiful thing sam for for bill and i we were like oh we see who you've meant to be mm. but but is, is that do you see mm. who god's created you to be we see your gifts we see your talents yeah do you know them and that's part of why i love doing this work is it's just like let's bring them to freedom let's you know all these all these things that we do to protect our hearts um in relationship with other people keep us from the freedom of being able to love well, to love fully, to live fully. Um, and I'm still practicing that. Like, I, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I, I still, one day at a time, uh, look at what's in the way of me living freely and living fully. Yeah. Every day. So you're saying, just to track with our listeners for a moment, you're saying that uh -huh. our self-protective strategies are born out of fear? Partly. Yeah, fear and 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 partly, and then the physical part of our body. Um, we have that that limbic system, which is the fight, fight, flight, freeze. Which, thank goodness, because if there's a bear chasing us in the woods, we want to run, right? But in this world, we've there's there's environmental failures everywhere from the time we are born till now that we're constantly going, okay. Um, how do I stay grounded in myself and the human being and not the human doing of who God created me to be, knowing um, that I am perfectly safe in his arms mm -hmm. and live my life in that way? Yeah, I would, I would add that part mm -hmm. fear, part shame, mm -hmm. part isolation, mm -hmm. um, there's like kind of this mm -hmm. swirling of like mm -hmm. the things that we really, really want to get away from. It would be to our best interest to learn mm. the best survival mechanism necessary or the best tool to mm -hmm. dissociate from it. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. one of my own experiences I wrote about several years ago, um, CNCN again, I don't know if you remember the article, like every yep. every time of year around now, you guys, so sorry to be doing this between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but guess what? You're in it. Um, as I would feel like this need to medicate, like I just, I just like, I wanted to drink beer and I didn't know why. And I was like, that's kind of odd. Like, I mean, I, I found myself just being curious one day and worked backwards into my own need to numb from a pain and sat outside, got in, got a little picnic table out under the trees. And the words that came was like, oh, there's a place in me that really remembers the old traditions of getting Chinese food around this time of year for a restaurant that's closed. And so I, it wasn't just like 
that it's the holidays. It was that like, oh, there's a place in me that feels really young and that feels like the past is gone and the things he looked forward to are gone and there's never getting them back. Mm. And the tool I had learned to try and numb that was alcohol. It was like, let's just shut him up for a little while. Yeah. And the experience I had just by myself was to give, to let that be okay that younger place had those desires that those desires weren't stupid. And even at Joe's, I'm like, you know what? We're going to go find some chicken lo mein right now. And I wept like profoundly. And, and, and I didn't actually even need to go find it at that point. I like, but I had told myself that I did. And it was this really interesting, be curious to work backwards from the symptom. And in that case, it was a, a negative, like numbing choice. It was like, why do I feel the need to do yeah. this? Which I'm guessing there's quite a bit going on for people listening right now yeah. between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. But it could also have That's- been, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say that's a beautiful example because you're number one, that the first step is having an awareness of what am I doing to numb myself? What am I doing to hide? What am I, why am I hypervigilant? Why am I always running around? Why am I disappearing? All those are, are parts mm-hmm. of our strategy mm-hmm. um, to protect our hearts. And what a beautiful example of going, and I'm grieving what was, and I'm going to give myself permission to feel my grief go to a Chinese restaurant, have my tears mm. and, and, and feel the sadness of what used to be. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful story, Sam. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to um, just turn the corner a little mm-hmm. bit back to the anger mm-hmm. piece. So um, experiential therapy, embodied anger, it's stored in there. It's in there. How do I, how do I get in touch with it? Maybe I'll do something physical so I've been bringing in the trash cans this morning, and I noticed that the top of our recycling bin uh, mm-hmm. is just destroyed. And the reason <laughs> is that I have learned that it is super helpful. It's a real just practical thing for our listeners. Um, you know, pick something safe like a tennis shoe or a spatula. I use a baseball bat on a trash can. And, and when I'm feeling anger that I don't know where it's from, why am I feeling these strong emotions? I'll go out and start beating on the recycling bin, um, and and then the words come, and 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 then I, I'm able to start putting expression to what at first just feels like pent up anger, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just another example, and and maybe even a simple tool that that some of our listeners could use in that. Mm-hmm. I think the find a find a photo of your childhood exercise. We're going to- We'll unpack that down the road. Yeah, yeah. Next week, we'll unpack that. We'll put that in the show notes, you know, for next week as well. Yeah. But there yeah. are simple tools you can use, is what I'm saying, that can help people begin to- Yeah. And I think, okay, what you're saying there, Dad, is really huge because there needs to be some kind of scaling to this. Yeah. Um, my bias is I would love for people to come and do a week of an intensive- with group work. And that was one of the stories I was trying to work to earlier is, is getting to witness. Um, in this case, it was a woman processing the the marriage that she'd had and was just weeping. And the, the stand-in person that was the husband, it's really controlled. And I would say in this case, that the language behind the scenes is almost, we will set up the containment and the protection so that you can be vulnerable in that space if you so choose. Yeah. So it is this safe space. The other person 
doesn't have the ability to like have words. They just get to be in it with them. Yeah. And watching these, watching the the mirror neurons on the guy are firing. And so he's attuned, he's connecting. He's just sitting there weeping with her. Aww. And I'm like, you're never going to get that from, well, probably. You're probably not going to get that from the person that you you are thinking about right now, yeah. but you can actually have that connection, that kind of a moment in that kind of a style. Yeah. So that's where I get like, I, I mean, I, I could have run all over the world after that point being like, this is, you need, you need this. Yeah. And not everybody can do that. So on, on the lower end, there does need to be these uh, exercises to be curious. I, I do a lot of letter writing. I do a lot of like, um, letter writing. And then if I feel safe enough, reading them to somebody, mm. um, inviting them into, I can mm. be witnessed and, and have, and have them be curious. But that I know is a big ask for a lot of people that there would even be somebody like that. You could read it to. Um, but the yeah. exercise itself is good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm curious too, um, Sam, because, you know, Bill and I've done both individual intensives and group work, and we we do love group work. And I know that you have Noble coming up. Part of the reason that Sam and Lori are on this week with us, um, and then part two next week with Sam, is that through the journey, through grad school, through all that we've experienced with the Lokis, um, Sam and Lori and a team of people are in 2024 putting on a series of workshops called Noble Workshops mm -hmm. that is this experiential therapy that we wanted to let everybody know about um, because it's just phenomenally healing and really amazing to go through. So yeah. tee up. Yeah. So I, oh my goodness. Um, the ability to get to go and do something like this, um, I, I think I've wanted to create the thing that has benefited me the most that I'd want to then go, you guys come and taste. Um, I think a lot about the, a quote that Dan Allender said years ago of like, you can't take others anywhere you haven't been yourself. And so having been there, I now feel like I've come back a little bit, maybe like Prometheus who found fire. And I'm like, you guys, okay. Pieces that influence the noble workshops for me. Um, Part one, it's holistic and experiential is holistic. Like you're being aware of what's going on from a, a mental, emotional level, but also a physical, somatic level and a spiritual component that like you, you can't not address that. Um, and so to come and be able to do a, a week of really intentional guided group work through your story, your past and up to the present is, to me on the scaling is like one of those deep surgeries you could do. And I sit with people in, um, weekly and that's somewhere like lower down on the scaling that it's a little bit more accessible, but for a lot of people I've noticed, um, it can feel like putting a bandaid on something every week. You're going to come in and like rewrap it. Um, and eventually it will heal, but it just might take a lot of time. The week intensive model is like, no, no, you need surgery and let's do surgery and let's do six months to two years worth all compressed into a really protected sacred space. And then you begin walking forward from there. Um, yeah. so I, I, I 
believe in it. I am convinced it will be uh, a powerful experience. Um, I've, I've benefited from this model myself. And so I just, in some ways I feel a little bit like, um, just kind of bouncing out of my chair a little bit of like, you, you need, you need this. Yep. It would be really good. Yeah. So in the show notes, uh, you can get more about Noble Workshops, Sam and Lori, and a few other therapists coming together to put these on several times next year. Obviously, limited availability. So jump on that if that interests you. And um, I think I also want to just put a little flag in the podcast here that Lori is not currently taking private clients right now. (laughs) Don't Google her and try and get into that. She's kind of uh, phasing out um, of her private practice in that way and focusing more on intensives and workshops like the noble workshops that are, that are going on next year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I I actually have a poem for you guys um, that I would like to have, because, you know, again, to the, experiential pieces. Um, it can be really intense. And I remember Lori, after my work with you, what, several Mm. years ago now, gosh. Um, there were days where I felt like somebody had myself actually with you, we had, we had partnered with removing my skin and that was like my protection mechanisms had been kind of taken away or been questioned and my true self had had permission to come forward a little bit. And so I literally was careful with corners in my house. Like I, hmm. I just felt vulnerable. I felt raw. Um, and I, I believe that even someone listening to this could be feeling some of those things. Cause I know yeah. that I have, I, I've sat in on, yeah. on lectures that have felt really triggering for me. And I know all this stuff and I've been through a lot of this stuff and it can still access somewhere new. Yeah. And so for today, I think I would offer just, again, kindness, breathe, be curious about what's stirring up for you. Um, But sometimes I am a deep believer that maybe you just need beautiful words to bring you back into the moment. And so this is a poem that's called Clearing by... Martha Postlewaite. Do not try to serve the whole world or do anything grandiose. Instead, create a clearing in the dense forest of your life and wait there patiently until the song that is yours alone to sing falls into your open cupped hands and you recognize it and greet it. Only then will you know how to give yourself to the world so worthy of rescue. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we could go on and on, but Lori, I want to thank you for all that you've done for our family, all that you've done for our team here wild at heart and for many of the people that we love and um yeah just deeply grateful for your life so grateful for bill and all that he meant to us and the time that we got to spend together was just always be something we really treasure so you you are one of the real gifts of the kingdom dear one you you really are thanks for being with us this week on the podcast thanks for coming in by technology. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
And I, and I I am so excited about um, what Sam is is launching. It 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 feels like um, for Bill and I handing the torch over mm-hmm. um, because when when we came to Wild at Heart, we just said this is home. This feels like home. It's where our heart is. It, it's where um, we could thrive and be and love Jesus. And um, and so I'm I'm just excited to continue to say, all right, let's keep going. Let's keep going until we're all home. Yeah, <laughs> let's keep going. So okay, that's great. That's beautiful. 